0: Hey, Ganger Another installment today around our diversity, equity and inclusion initiative and uh, a webinar Matt Moskowski put together. Uh, this is around gender diversity. Uh, he puts together a panel that includes uh, not only customer success professionals, but also diversity and inclusion professionals. And there's a great discussion just around how we can help push the industry forward, um, specifically around software and then also in our, in our industry of customer success. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. We're going to be bringing more and more content around uh, diversity equity and inclusion uh, through the podcast and through the community uh, as we go forward. Thanks.
1: Welcome to the Gain,
0: Grow, Retain podcast.
2: So back in November 2019 at Pulse Europe, uh, the flagship customer success network and event of choice, two of the keynote speakers there, Sue Nabith-Moore and Martin Niemans, shocked the audience with some pretty damning statistics around gender equality and gender parity in the CS industry, and particularly around the ratios of male to females. Now, I frequently refer to the slide that drew deep gasps of breath, and Sue will share that slide in a minute, um, and also multiple head from the audience, and it stimulated plenty of social media debate and discussion afterwards. Now, one half of the team is here today to share that slide once again, uh, with some further data to set the scene for the panel discussion. Um, so before we get into the, the detailed panel discussion, I want to present Sue Nabith-Moore, who will share that slide again, uh, and a couple more. So, Sue, over to you.
3: Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, mine's a Bordeaux. Huh? So, cheers, everyone. Thank you for coming. So, just a quick introduction. So, my name is Sue Nabitmore. I'm a passionate evangelist of customer success here in Europe. And I'm the founder of Success Track Enterprise and Customer Success Mastermind and also uh, different meetups and events around Europe because I think that in customer success, we're simply learning all the time from each other. So before Matt, I, I actually share the slide. Um, I'd just like to, to give a little bit of background about that and give a shout out to to Dan Steinman of Pulse for inviting myself and Martin Neemans last November at Pulse Europe to share the, the survey results. The background was that we wanted to, to really get an understanding generally of what was happening in customer success here in Europe because we found that a lot of these survey stats tend toward lean towards US stats and so wanted some more from Europe and of course the gender question was in there but it wasn't the only insight that we had but it was certainly the one that I think um, aroused a lot of interest so that's what we're going to be focusing on today so we had 250 replies in total um, and let's look at this slide but first of all I think it's really important um, to, to understand that we gave a shout out at the end of this presentation because I think diversity in customer success is the responsibility of all of us. So we had a collective call to action at the end of that uh, presentation because it really is uh, something which is uh, dear to all our hearts. So I'm just gonna share now my screen. So bear with me. I hope you can all see this now.
2: Yep, can see.
3: Fantastic. So is it really going to be an opportunity at long last for customer success to pave the way and break the glass ceiling so here it is here's the famous slide so what can we see here we can see obviously the ascension of customer success roles going from junior customer success manager up until vp horizontally and what we can see is that going in at entry level we have twice more Ladies than we have men, 67% compared to, to 33 at entry level, and then when we get to senior customer success, the gap is closed. But then when we actually get to director of customer success, we see that the the figures are inversed So we have 80% of leaders who are men and 20% of leaders who are women. So what does that say? It says that when we go in at entry level, in fact there were more ladies than men. And then when we climb up the ladder in the leadership roles, then obviously there tends to be, generally speaking, obviously, more men than women. So that was the the slide, as you refer to this, Matt. And actually, I'm analyzing the stats with a company who are data scientists. They're helping me to do this. Um, And this is another slide uh, with some recent stats uh, as a result of that analysis. The company is called NALIA. They do predictive churn analytics and what we can see here well, we see the let's say disparity in salary average salary earnings per year in k- in k euros so what we see after two years of professional experience not just in customer success but total professional experience we can see that men are earning 70k euros on average per year as opposed to women who are earning about 42k euros so that means that just at entry level without even having done any kind of proof of your worth, then the starting blocks for men are higher than than for women. And then we see as you you have CS with more uh, professional years uh, of experience, there is still a gap, but you have to wait until you have 15 years of professional experience to get some kind of parity at just under 100k euros per year. And then the last slide, and then I'll leave this over to the panelists, is what we presented also at Pulse last year. And we we raised the question, are you headhunted more than twice per month? So the VPs and the directors were headhunted twice as much as, as CSMs. And also we can see that males uh, are are, are more headhunted than females, 44% compared to 33%. And when we see that those vast majority, 80% of males were in those leadership positions, that probably explains as well why they're more headhunted than the females. So obviously, I think we can all admit that these are pretty shocking statistics, uh, which deserve to be talked about. Um, I am very pleased that actually we're now collaborating. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Kelly Lucas. Shirley Chapman and Sue Walsh who have joined us all together, Uh, Shirley's on the panel of course today, because the call to action was okay this is not just about women upping their game, this really is a collective action for everybody, men, women, everybody within the customer success ecosystem, whether it be the employers, the recruiters, the hiring managers, the VCs, everybody should be involved Mm -hmm. And, and this is what we're doing now to get the ball rolling. So thanks everyone, and I'll leave this now over to the panellists to to give us their insights. Thanks a lot.
2: Thanks, Sue, for that. Right, so before we get the panellists, I guess, to react and respond to those two or three slides that Sue kindly showed um, to us, I think it's probably important we introduce them to you. So let's start with Shirley. Um, can you quickly introduce yourself, please, Shirley?
1: Yeah, thanks very much. And and thanks, first of all, to uh, the team for involving me in this. Uh, it's a really important discussion. It's something I feel really passionately about as a, as a woman, as an older woman. Uh, but I think just as a leader, um, any leader, this is a really important topic of conversation. Um, so yeah, Shirley Chapman, uh, I work for Pluralsight, which is a technology skills platform. Our headquarters is close to Salt Lake City in Utah. Uh, I joined Pluralsight five years ago as an enterprise CSM. Uh, my role is now Senior uh, Director for CS uh, in EMEA, I have 17 CSMs or senior CSMs plus two team managers um, covering, you know, from SMB all the way through to strategic or key accounts. I have to say I was the first female um, leader in Pluralsight EMEA when I became a director almost three years ago. But as we've expanded, we now have several women leaders. so I don't feel quite so lonely in meetings as I used to. Um, And for the record, the gender split of my team, just so we know, is is pretty much half and half, actually. So for the CSMs, I also, my team leaders, uh, I've got one female, one male. So really important. I wouldn't say I've gone out to actually do
4: that, but that's that's the way it is.
2: Thanks, Shirley. Um, Tina, my friend from SAP. Please introduce yourself. Hello.
4: Well, first, Shirley, congratulations on reaching gender parity within your team. That's excellent. Um, My name is Tina Trumbo. I'm based out of Washington, D.C. and work with Matt at SAP. And my role is to lead diversity and inclusion for our customer success board area. Um, Within customer success, we have about 40,000 employees. And I really focus on our employees in the customer experience and services area and looking forward to our discussion today.
2: Thank you, Tina. Thanks for joining us. Uh, James, over to you. Can you introduce yourself, please? Of course. Um, I actually,
0: I think I'm the only one that founded Branded uh, branded Gear today. Uh, pretty much because during lockdown, I've not worn anything else. Um, is that Liverpool or is it SAP? No,
2: it's yeah. SAP branded. There
0: we go. <laughs> um, so I think, Shirley, I, I'm probably similar to you. I've been at Splunk for seven years. And I, I've, um, I've done seven years, seven jobs. Um, I'm maybe the perennial problem child or the person that they actually think can do something. Um, And I sit, I don't actually sit within customer success any any longer. I sit as the chief technical advisor for the company. But the the way I kind of see this is that we're all customer facing. And I think I was on the panel a, a while ago and it's, it really hammered home to me that the representation of who we are and how we engage with our customers is so important. And the thing that really hammered it home Was a report on gender diversity and neurodiversity that Splunk did a few years ago, I think about two years ago. I had a three year old and a four year old. Um, My wife is a a military doctor, so let's just say it's probably wrong language, and I I get this wrong all the time. So I'm on my own journey, but a strong female role model. And my daughter, my son, who couldn't read, asked me why our mummy's not allowed in space. And we kind of looked through the books, and it's because that's the dominant images. And I was more concerned about my son than my daughter, because my son already had that preconceived idea on what men and women can do in jobs uh, so i'm definitely on my journey to understand this a lot more continually get it wrong um but one day i, I might make a difference
2: brilliant i like that james thank you um finally uh my old friend good friend uh, adam joseph can you introduce <laughs> me, Bill,
5: please yeah not so much of the old but definitely <laughs> a friend um look great to be on everyone. Um, I'm Adam Joseph, I'm the Director of Customer Success at Gainsight in Europe. Um, It's particularly apt um, for me, this this goal. My daughter actually turns 16 tomorrow (laughs) and as you do, as as she kind of carries on her journey from childhood into adulthood, I want to make sure that if she wants to follow my footsteps, which to be honest seems unlikely, but if she did and wanted to, to go into a customer success career, I want to make sure that every opportunity that I've been lucky enough to be afforded that she gets as well. And I've been fortunate that I've been mentored and managed by some amazing women, really strong leaders and um you know if I look at some of the, the the community and people that I learn from all the time there's some amazing women leaders out there and so um was really interested by the research that, that Sue and Martin put together at Pulse and um, because clearly we've still got more to do and I, I think the fact that we're having this discussion is is so healthy and if we can come together as a as a group and not only talk about warm sentiments and words but actually what What do we need to do differently? What tangible takeaways can we do from discussions like this, I think are really important. So I applaud you, Matt and the group for putting this discussion together uh, and really look forward to the the discussion as a whole.
2: Thanks Adam, thanks everyone. So before we get going, um, just uh, a reminder um, to please post your questions in the group chat. Um, Sue is sitting there with her Bordeaux in hand, waiting for those questions to come through. Um, Bordeaux and a pen in hand. Um, So let's go to the question. Um, Do we have an issue in customer success with gender diversity, gender parity? And if we do, what is the actual issue? And I guess a bit of a follow-up. Is this any better or any worse to any other industries that, that, that may exist? Um, and I'm going to pick on Shirley, first of all.
1: Thanks for picking on me. (laughs) I used used to be a school teacher so I used to pick on the the naughty ones. Um, um, I'm not sure we do have a problem. I think I was in the room when the slide (laughs) went up and we all gasped and we're all a bit shocked and we kind of all looked around the room and thought okay this this just doesn't even seem real in the room um, because there seemed to be sort of parity with the Uh, people participating in Pulse. And it's certainly not the experience I've had personally. I came from my previous company. We had a a female CEO. uh, We had CES leaders who were women. And and here at Pluralsight, again, I actually did the, the same diagram as Sue did, but for my own team, and it actually goes in the other direction. So. You know, but that's a very small sample compared to to what Sue did. So I I don't know. I think the problem is actually out there in society. Um, it's a, it's a bigger challenge, and I think all CS is doing is, is reflecting that. Um, what I do think is a problem is regardless of which profession it is. Um, you know, I look at sales and I sometimes just like shake my head and think, well, you know, we're doing much better than them. But I think if we are limiting people in some way. Whatever that means, uh, that is an issue. You know, Lack of diversity in whatever form it might take means a lack of diversity of thought um, that impacts a business's ability to be innovative, to be agile. I think it impacts at a very basic level, an employee's sense of well-being and belonging to the company. And then that impacts in itself staff retention and, and availability of the talent pool. So for me, I don't know that we have a bigger problem than anywhere else, but you know, if the stats are true, then we we have a problem too that we need to address and we need to talk about. Right. Thanks. Yeah, Rob.
4: and Shirley, just to add on to that, you know, I, I see we see this across many different industries. So, you know, I think the data that Sue has pulled together truly tells a story. And unfortunately, we see that same story echoed in other industries and even ones that start with really high female share, like customer success. So if you look at industries like retail or healthcare that start really high in the entry level for female share, there's a, a similar story with the, um, with the level of female share going down as you go up the ranks and the, the level of male share going up as you rise up the ranks. And you know, when I looked at the data, what really stood out to me is you see that first major drop in female share around that first step up to management. And so, you know, in the diversity circles, we talk about that broken rung where across many different industries, men outnumber women, outnumber women nearly two to one going into that first step up to management. So if in that first step up to management, if you've got a smaller pool of females, there's going to be a domino effect at each of the other levels going up. So, you know, clearly, Sue, and the data that you have there, it's a great illustration of, of the broken rung and, and what's happening with those people who are part of that survey. Um, so when I look at the data, the first thing I think of is, so what's the problem? What's causing this, right? Mm. Um, And I think most people, some people might look at the data and say, well, it must be women are leaving the workforce to have families. Um, But when we look at the data around attrition, men and women are leaving their employers at near equal rates at each career stage. So probably not the culprit there. Um, Some people might say, well, it has to do with ambition. Uh, Maybe women don't want to be promoted as much as men, but when we look at that data, men and women are at very similar rates with promotion motivation. In fact, a lot of women ask for promotions and raises statistically more than men. So, you know, I I think it's a a really interesting data set. And unfortunately, it is something that we're seeing not just in customer success, but in the tech industry and many other industries as well.
2: Okay. thanks, Tina. Adam, as somebody that's been around the customer success industry for for a number of years now, and also in a role with Gainsight that gives you exposure to a number of um, customer success organisations. What's your observations of, of customer success? Is, is there a specific issue that we have um, or, or not? What's your your
5: thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. It, it's something that Sue and Martin's research, I think, made us all take a step back and take a good, long, hard look at the community and also ourselves. Um, you know my look my my thoughts are that i've i've as I mentioned earlier I, I've been lucky enough to meet and work with some amazing female leaders. I personally haven't noticed too big of a disparity um, as you go up that seniority stake, so I wanted to validate that so I spent a bit of time actually in, un, unscientific as this is. I, I looked through my LinkedIn network just to see if there was if, if that fell along similar lines and it actually did show a disparity, but not quite as extreme as as the research put together by by Sue and, and martine so my, my and again this is just I took four a sample pool of four hundred to two hundred from the EU and 200 from the US. And I I looked at some of those senior job titles that I tend to work with. So most senior would be chief customer officer, VP of customer success, director of customer success or head of customer success. I know some companies kind of merge though. Some call it one, some call it the other. And there was, you know, certainly a, a majority men, but it wasn't quite as extreme. It was uh, 50, 56% men, 44% women. I, I think some encouraging signs, however, and again, this was just based on my own LinkedIn network. Well, there, there were some areas where in those senior roles, women, there were more w- women than men. So um, head of customer success in the UK was 54% ma- majority women and director of CS in the US was was 54%. But it, those, those tests tended to be some of the green shoots. So... Um, I've talked to a lot of leaders. They've pretty much been that kind of 50-50 or even 60-40 split. So I, I personally haven't seen that research called out in or, or shown evidently to me, but that's very much you know, the relationships that I have and the LinkedIn network that I have. I still absolutely think we need to make sure we're every organization and Gainsight included. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you some of the things we're doing inside of our own business because it is a wake-up call for the industry. And I don't think we can get blasé. We can't be lulled into a, um, you know, a, a, a full sense of security that everything is fine because some of that could be by chance rather than actually making sure that those policies are there so um yeah that's my observation it's not quite as extreme there definitely is a majority men but i am pleased to see based on the research that i've done but on my linkedin network that there are some areas where women in senior roles are outweighing men thanks adam james finally
2: from from you with regards to that question i guess focusing maybe more on the the better or worse in other roles or other industries i mean you're the the black sheep of the, the panel here with, with not being in a customer success role directly at the moment. So what's your kind of greater observation around, around that question?
0: I think it's, it varies where you are, what country, you know, looking at Splunk, it, what country you are, what market we're in it, you know, some areas we're, we're great, some areas we're not, sorry. <coughs> um, the European actually uh, cross-functional leadership team just got to gender parity about three months ago, um, which, which is fantastic. And kind of, you see different pockets. Um, I think across industries, I think tech feels, I mean, I've only really worked in tech. Um, it feels worse than other industries. It does feel male dominated. Um, I think Splunk has certainly gone through a huge transition over the last few years. You know, we were very much your, your classic tech black t-shirts, slogans. I'm not even going to go into the name. Um, you know, it, it wasn't really that culture. And so we've gone through this whole period of change the way people think. And just reading through a couple of questions it's even to the the mindset. And so one of the things I do a lot of talking about is how it's okay as a man to say, I can't make that meeting. I'm going to look after my kids. Um, So my wife is actually a a military doctor. She's been incredibly busy over the last few years. And the thing I can do is actually show other people that it's okay to say, no, actually, I can't travel because she's deployed somewhere. I can't travel because I've got to go and pick up the kids. I've got to go and do this. I never want to hear anyone say, an excuse for going to see a school play and just start culturally start to say it's not a man versus woman thing yeah you're a parent off you go you may have just be a decent human being and i think that's the thing that often gets forgotten in a lot of this is you know you're trying just to be the right type of person and i think the more we've done that at splunk the easier the transition to it becoming a natural conversation rather than a forced right have i thought about diversity and what i'm about to do Exactly. Sorry, not, not a precise answer, but...
2: No, I think it's a, it's an interesting aspect where you're coming from as well with your, your wife's role and, and how that impacts you as a family um, as much as anything. Um, so thank you all for your responses on that. Um, we're lucky enough to have you here today representing a, a variety of companies of different sizes, complexities, industries. Um, what I really want to understand now is what are you doing within your own companies that really looks at addressing this? And how you, as a company, are looking to improve that gender diversity, that gender parity, generally, never mind in custom customer success. Um, I'm going to go to Sue. Uh, I'm going to go to Tina first.
4: All right. Great. Thanks, Matt. So within SAP, we have a public goal of reaching thirty percent women in management by twenty thirty. Um, and in order to do that, and in order to work towards gender parity, we have multiple programs in place, um, one of which Matt is now participating in, um, which is called Activating Men for Parity. So, you know, what we realize is, is that gender, this gender split that we're talking about is not an issue that women can solve on our own. We need our male allies in the game and in the discussions to, um, to help share perspectives with other men. And so in this program, what we do is we educate senior leaders, senior male leaders like Matt about unconscious bias <coughs> um, and um, about privilege. And they are then we do a train the trainer where they then go and have cohorts of other male leaders and they talk about what's happening in their teams and share this information and all make um, you know, pledges on what they're going to do differently within their organizations. Um, so that's one, you know, terrific program for for men supporting women in this whole effort. Um, we also have a, a new program called Women to Watch, and what we've found is that we have a lot of women who are ready for leadership um, positions, but they're they're not making it there. Um, when we look at the data, a lot of women are, have mentors. In fact. The data points to women being over-mentored and under-sponsored. And when you look at men's mentors, a lot of them are at higher levels and are acting at higher levels as sponsors for those men instead of just that mentorship relationship. So in our Women To Watch program, we take these emerging leaders and some of our current leaders and we do interviews with them to understand what is your career path? What are your barriers? And we're not developing the women in this program. They're already developed we're making sure that they have visibility. So we're making sure that they have those sponsorships, that they have executive shadowing opportunities, and that our our recruiters have visibility into this pool of talent that should be considered for uh, leadership positions. Um, And then one of the things that I'm leading right now that we're about to launch later this summer is an inclusive leadership training program. So in the past at SAP, we've tried lots of different pilots of how to teach leaders to be inclusive. And you know, leaders come to us with all different backgrounds. Some have role models who are very inclusive. Unfortunately, some may not have those great role models. And in the past, we've had you know full-day sessions with consultants coming in to talk about unconscious bias um, and moving towards inclusive leadership. But what we found is that um, we're not able to tie those training programs to behaviors that have changed. And so instead, what we're gonna do now is we are launching a platform where we're launching micro learnings about inclusive leadership behaviors. So, you know, imagine leaders take like a three minute uh, mini video learning about a new behavior, and then we have challenges to get them trying out that new behavior with their teams. Um, we have it on a platform where there's gamification and leaderboards, so we can you know, take advantage of that competitive spirit. But the hope there is that you know, leaders will start dipping their toes into trying some of these new behaviours, and then they'll add them to their toolkits. Um, so those are three of the, the key programmes that we've got going on right now at SAP.
2: I'm super excited about the AMP piece, the activating Men for Parity as well, so um, yeah. that's been good. Uh, Adam, let me
5: move to you, what's, what's maybe happening at Gainsight? Yeah, uh, it's interesting, just as uh, you were talking there, I had a prompt on my phone and the alert come through to say something just been hired in head of customer success role who's a woman at at Guido so it was just apt as we were having a conversation it was it was happening in real time which which was interesting um so I've done some research into into some of the things that Gainsight have done to to make sure that we've got that gender parity and it's actually part of our one page strategic plan um that we've got at the moment to try and make sure it's not just sentiment but actually it's it means something and we're we're holding the whole company accountable for delivering it and that kind of has three main parts to it. The first part is probably the, the biggest lever to increase diversity in your business, and that's the pipeline of where you're seeking your candidates from. So you've got to make sure it's sore, so you're going to those kind of places where naturally you're going to get that balance between between men and women. Uh, in fact, this kind of goes beyond this conversation, um, but actually just more about trying to hire from unrepresentative parts of the community. So Gainsight have just partnered with a organisation called SV Academy to do exactly that and, and to uh, seek out not just gender diversity, but across the board with all underrepresented communities communities in, in customer success but putting that to one side at the minute pipeline is definitely we found to be one of the biggest levers in making that difference so actually changing where we're advertising some of those roles really thinking about some of the job boards we they're using some of the recruitment businesses that we're doing so at source are we getting the kind of candidates in that help make sure that we've got as diverse a type of candidate as possible coming into game site so pipeline's number one uh, number 2 is standardized so this is about removing and this was just mentioned by the previous panelist removing any kind of unconscious bias from the interview process uh, and the way that you do that is have a really methodical process driven way about what are you looking for in this candidate what does excellent look like in this role so take away all the subjectivity how well you might get on on a personal level with that candidate you know don't make it all about football for example or other things that might be seen sorry matt about things that might be seen to more heavily dominated by men and actually looking ac- across what does excellent look like in a role and make sure we're hiring for the- look at those skills and does the candidate have those skills and take away some of that unconscious personal bias that the hiring man- manager might have so standardized we call that as number two and thirdly it's the culture of the business as a whole so once we bring the these um, kind of people once we bring everyone into the business how can we make them feel as comfortable as possible so you don't get people leaving within six months or a year And there are many ways that we've done that. um, From example, setting up Slack groups. So um, I don't know about all the other businesses, but one of the things I love about working at Gainsight is just there are groups on everything that you might have an interest in, from from pet lovers to many other hobbies and and subjects as well. But So there have been some um, Slack channels set up to help with diversity and and help women feel at home at Gainsight. Um, and, And also just some networking groups and other things that we've done that we're super proud about. The other thing, we've got some amazing role models as well. So some of you may know Alison Pickens, who was formerly our, our chief customer officer and then went on to become our, our COO uh, and also I'm really thrilled to work alongside Kelly Capote and, and many others so se- women who hold very senior roles within customer success and I think having these kind of people within the business act as role models for others and hopefully do that but as I said we it can't just be sentiments we had to align it with and put it on our one-page strategic goal for the whole business to see and focused on those three things where our candidates were coming from taking away any kind of unconscious bias in the hiring process and making sure our culture was as, as gender diverse and friendly as possible so that's what we did, Matt.
2: Cool, thanks, Adam. And I know, I know Gamesight relatively well, and I know under the CEO of Nick Meta, you have a, a leader that that is very vulnerable. And we've had conversations you and me, Adam, over recent weeks around mental health. We've had conversations around the gender parity stuff. And I think it really does start at the very top of the organization. Where I look at Nick, I definitely see a leader that is empathetic and vulnerable, and and taking these things as things that he really wants to drive into his business through that that culture element that you spoke about.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for anyone who was on our Pulse Everywhere event might have heard Nick talk about the analogy of broken windows. Now, he used that because his son, like my son, is is prone to the occasional outburst and broke a window. Um, but we're all, we all have broken windows inside us. So Matt and I, you're right, we just talked about mental health. And I noticed from the, the comments as well, someone else mentioned about returning to work following maternity or even extended paternity leave. And in fact, I just recorded a, a podcast on this very subject because I'd noticed one of the, the barriers actually for women going up into the, the high echelons of customer success was You know, I need to take, you know, if I'm going to take a year out because of going out on maternity leave, will that harm my prospects? So I I held a panel similar to this and invited some women and men to talk about their experiences. And what was great to hear, there were some great stories about what companies are now doing to remove, you know, just because you go on maternity or extended paternity care doesn't mean that it should hold back your career. So having keeping in touch days actually having the environment inside the office, if you need to care for your child, that, that's there, but being much more aware and not seeing it as a barrier, but actually something that's an amazing life event that should be celebrated and shouldn't hinder your, your, your kind of way up the, the pole of customer success seniority.
2: Thanks Adam. Shirley, sounds like Pluralsight are, are, are quite advanced in their thinking and mindset around this. Do you want to share maybe some of the things that are happening yeah. there?
1: Yeah, so there's a few things that I'd like to touch on, some of which you know, Adam and Atina have already uh, touched on as well. Um, we did consider, like most companies, I think, you know, hiring a senior D&I type of person. Um, but at the executive level, the decision was we wouldn't bring in a, a sort of C-level person specifically for D&I. That the, each of the executives at that level are equally responsible for diversity and, and across the board, um, specifically on belonging, which I'll come on to in a second. Um, so, you know, that's I think that's a big thing. Uh, I think James talked about that earlier. It needs to be from a senior level um, that this is just part of the company. Everybody feels responsible from the top down. What we did do was hire a diversity and belonging program manager. And her role is really to define what does D&I look like, but specifically belonging at Sites. And in fact, we've kind of almost I wouldn't say we ignored D&I, but we've really centered on the belonging piece right? and belonging is you know, especially in these days, you know, you can imagine over in the U.S. with our team there, it's been pretty tough over the last few weeks. There's been a lot of conversations on Slack, uh, but specifically around gender, it's you know, it's making sure that we are putting processes in place. Um, I think Tina mentioned about the bias. We have bias mitigation techniques. They're completely embedded into our career development our promotion, our hiring processes. Um, We have open career ladders that everybody can see so you know what you need to move on. Um, And essentially, you know, it, it just creates that openness. You've got somebody who's not there sort of preaching, if you like, about DNI, but it's actually looking for very practical ways to embed it into the business so that it just becomes second nature for everybody. So I think that's, that's critical. Um, and, and the other piece of that is our company values. You know, we have extremely well-defined company values. Uh, for example, one of them is seeking context with intention. And I think you know, even just thinking about seeking context, that's what, that's what diversity is about, right? It's understanding where somebody is, um, If it's a woman with kids, she has to get them to school, or if it's someone like James, whose wife is travelling, he needs to get his kids sorted out and out the door in the morning, whatever, it's just like really thinking about from a customer's perspective, but also from a a colleague's perspective, what is their current context uh, and trying to work alongside that. And again, we have really focused on rather than trying to be good, you know, trying to do the right thing. um, It's really being focused on our key value which is committed to something bigger and if we keep focused on that then everything else becomes easier there's a couple of really practical things we've done Um, we do have an internal first recruitment policy so in other words if we're looking at a leadership role for example it gets advertised internally first and i think that that gives people the um kind of just reassurance that we are not just going off into the market to find who plays golf with whoever's mate or, you know, it's like we're actually looking internally for the talent um, initially. You know, I think there's a a well-known HP report which said that women will um, only apply for a role if they're almost 100%, or feel they have 100% of the requirements and men will go for little, 60%. And I think that's a little bit debatable. I think the reasons behind that, but I think you see it in other places as well. And I think by looking internally first, I think it maybe gives uh, people in the company, whatever their gender is, that feeling that they, they can go and get help, they can get advice uh, before they get the role, it gives them that confidence. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention, there's lots of other things, but the last thing I'll mention is our mentorship scheme, scheme which again, Tina mentioned as well. It was actually set up through our Women at sites Slack channel. Um, we have a, a rule, anybody can be a mentor or a mentee but you cannot have a man as a mentor and a man as a mentee together right so you can have two women you can have a male mentee with a female mentor or you can have it the other way around but you can't have two men who are are together and i think that works incredibly well and that's given us access to people all throughout the, the levels of the organization um you know, we have executives who are involved in that. Uh, it's a bit like winning the lottery when you get an exec. It's like, yay! Um, and I've been lucky enough to have a couple of the exec team as, as my mentors. And I think it just opens up the horizons. And, it, it, you know, people who are maybe lacking in confidence are given the ability to have conversations with people at whatever level. Um, so those are some of the things that we are, we're doing at Pluralsight.
2: Great stuff, Shirley. Thank you. James, what about um, Splunk? Yeah, so we... Um... To 2018,
0: all my years are muddling into one now, uh, we actually made the decision to hire a, a chief diversity officer. And one of the things we did that is we wanted to put it at the front of organizational change, really make people realize that this is an intent, that you know, we're not, not going to just brush us away or play lip service to it, we're actually positively doing something about it. Um, Sorry. Puffy wants out. Um, and that was really important because I think at some point it starts with senior leadership standing up and being committed to it. Um, I can never empathize what it is like, uh, even for my wife, you know, we speak a lot about kind of all the bias in the workplace. I can listen, uh, but I can never empathize about it. I I sit from a position of privilege, but I can talk to people about what I'm trying to learn about it. The the next part was actually understanding our employees. We ran this amazing program called Million Data Points, um, where we started interviewing employees just about things you'd never know about them. And it was just incredible uh, what came out of it, just to show people that we are all incredibly unique. We have our own things we're worried about, our own fears and the own kind of incredible achievements. So that's kind of just showing that we are human rather than we're just, you know, employee one, employee two, employee three. And then it was looking at the more kind of programmatic side. Uh, so the one that really opened my eyes up was a tool called Textio, um, which is for uh, recruiting. So you write a job description, normally you copy and paste it from the last one you did you push it out there. And we could actually, we made it man- mandated that when you put it through that process, you'd run it for gender, um, bias in a language and it's a real eye-opener for that but then pair that with looking at do we actually dedicate some sources so not say uh, people are doing interview, but sources to look for any female candidates to kind of widen the aperture of the people that we're looking for. Um, we, we've grown at almost a thousand employees a year for the last few years. So we get a huge amount of internal referrals, which is great. But when everyone looks like me, what do you think the internal referral program is going to look like? And so we're just trying to change the way that we, we kind of do things. And that has had a great success about bringing things in. So we've increased our female representation by just, over, uh, just under 2% in the last two years. Uh, last year uh, alone, which, you know, a company of 6,000 people, it's it's a quite decent step change, including management positions from 23.2% to 26.3%. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. The, the final bit then comes about once you get people into the company, you get them aware of this, what do you do next? So what we're actually embedding in inside of learning and development is first making sure that first I would like to become a manager course, is available to everyone online rather than you have to become a manager to get your first manager course, you know, chicken and egg. Um, but everything through that to our most senior leader kind of courses, you know, the three day, four day long kind of courses, all use the same language, the same neurodiversity topics. So every stage of leadership you go through in every course you do, you're hearing the same thing, but just a bigger horizon, a bigger horizon, a bigger horizon. So that just becomes part of our DNA as a company as we grow. Now, I could go on for ages about other things, <laughs> but they're the most important the sponsorship a few programs, and just make it pervasive in everything that we do.
2: Thanks, James. We, we did have a third question, which was going to be around practical advice that the panellists could give out to, to to the audience. I think everyone's given such a, a wide variety of, of responses on those that there's already a number of, I think, practical examples that you can take away with you. So I've um, I've just been Sue to prepper. I think we're going to go straight into the Q&A because I've seen a steady flow of questions coming through the chat. So, Sue, do you want to maybe choose a question or and and pose it to
3: the panellists? Yes, there have been a lot of questions. Some of them have been partially answered or or answered uh, quite a bit already. Um, There's a question from Alex Alex Farmer, which I find interesting. Um, And he thinks um, whether there's any kind of difference, probably from the stats as well that that I have, and which we're still analysing, but perhaps the panellists can give us their experience on this, um, of whether there is a gender split into who you're actually reporting to. So, if you're reporting to the CRO or any other C level, do you t- have you seen in your experience um, that there is a gender split? So, I think that you know, from from the experience of what you've been saying, obviously with, with Shirley and with Adam, you've seen that that split is rather higher than the stats that I actually showed with Martine. Um, but I don't know from the others whether you have seen any experience where there is a difference between the parity and who you're actually reporting to.
2: should we we start with adam i'm not sure we will go to everybody for their own response on this otherwise we'll only get through one or two questions so adam do you want
5: to have a go at yeah it's a it's a different i I personally haven't seen a different i mean i will say from my experience and i've worked with many kind of commercial or sales groups there i definitely have seen a greater um dive you know a a bigger gulf in with men and women and that diversity in sales and i have in cs i wouldn't necessarily say because there is such a a huge uh, differences in where customer success is reporting into. You know, obviously we are seeing the emergence of the, the CCO, the Chief Customer Officer um, role, um, come out. So for me, it's still too early to say any, anything definite. I, as I say, I would say that sales, are, in my experience, that is more male dominated than, than female. Certainly more than, than CS in my experience. Um, however, I, I haven't I haven't seen enough evidence, even with my own just subjective feeling, to to be able to comment on on um, on whether reporting into a CRO or a COO or a CCO makes any definitive difference in the gender gap.
3: Yeah. And just to second that as well, Adam, from the stats and the survey, in fact, what we did see that a lot of uh, people are coming into CS from different roles, of course, because it is still emerging. So a lot of the people coming in, I think it was, I can't remember exactly, it was over 30% are actually coming from sales roles Mm -hmm. and and they're predominantly male. So that can perhaps explain why Mm. right at the very beginning at the entry level, you, you know, we have more women than men coming in. But then as you get to a certain level, if, if we're actually absorbing a lot of people who are coming from sales or even account management roles, then those tend to be men because they're dominant in those areas. So that probably partially explains that, yeah?
5: Yeah, it's a great point. You know, I, I was yeah. just talking to a few people actually who moved from the back office into the front office into customer success. And one of those conversations was, was uh, with a, a lady who had worked in, um, human resources or teammate success and actually that that should be for now when I'm actually looking for roles I'm definitely going to broaden my horizons in looking into HR because in many ways people who work in HR are almost a CSM but working internally in terms of then how they roll that out now I don't have any stats to say the gender gap between um, in HR or what I can talk from personal experience where that I have seen a lot of females and senior roles uh, in, in in HR or teammate success so I think as we look more diversely than just sales and look in these, these other parts of the business, um, HR for me would be a great, a great way of looking for new CSMs and ultimately leaders in the future as well.
0: I think Adam, for me, for me that just opening up that, that horizon of people that you think could do the role because I can't remember the report, but it's like the potato effect. You get um, asked to, to live on a desert Island for uh, as long as you can. What food group do you, keep, do you pick? It's a potato because it will keep you alive for the longest. So you go to hiring manager you know, we're fast growth, hire well, you know, fire fast, do not mess it up. It's your one hire, do not mess it up. So what you do, you go to what you know. And it's, it's, it's then working out how we can go to, if you allow 10 food groups, you might have you had a quinoa or pomegranate by the end of it. You know, how do you start to go and look at that, kind of the different roles, where else? And it's actually the previous experiences actually bring something to that role. Um, but it takes a lot as a leader to admit that yourself and be bold enough to hold yeah. hold back on hiring and say, no, I'm just gonna try and do a bit more sourcing, a bit more thinking and even more creativity on the job ads. Don't have that 30 yeah. page essay. Yeah. What output do you want this person to do? I think that's a great point, Adam. Yeah. Sorry, I completely hijacked you there, Matt. That's
2: all right. So yeah. have you got any more questions? I know
0: we um,
3: have. Yes, yeah, there were quite a few questions about um, women and maternity leave we touched on that a little bit so you know how how do you combine customer success maternity leave and it's obviously not just customer success uh, i know adam that you just did a podcast on that so perhaps you give us a few more insights on that one
5: sure yeah i mean it, it was definitely there are some very progressive forward-thinking companies now that are um you know providing much more flexible support not just to women going you know going through so so part of it is the maternity and paternity um leave policies that organizations have uh, and secondly, then how you keep in touch with those individuals. And also, um, you know, if it is someone, you know, no one should go on that, that leave and be, uh, you know, un- unfairly prejudiced for being able to, to going up for a promotion or any other type of role. So I've seen some amazing women leaders go out and, on, in, uh, for, into maternity leave come back either in the same role or have gone into a leadership position something slightly different than that they were before so i I definitely think and i think one of the biggest fears when um going out on and this came out from the podcast was that you just lose touch in terms of what's going on because just look what's happened over the last two or three months right the world just moves so quickly um but also what happens inside the companies new leaders come in so you know having making sure you've got these opportunities to keep in touch because obviously companies i think are very aware that people want to be left alone when they're on leave as well but at least having that those opportunities open whether it's physically coming into the office when they're all open but just even feeling part of a you know a zoom call from every now and then being introduced it's senior leadership when they're when they're off but also as you start kind of gearing up towards coming back into the office just increasing that that ability to touch base with people in the office a little bit more having those sit-down discussions with the leadership team figuring out actually with your change of circumstance are you able to come in and do the role that you're doing before or how can we best support you and certainly in those kind of month to two months to three months once you're back in the office making sure that you've got that support mechanism and a culture around that it is okay to take flexible you know to come back into flexible working conditions as much as you can do as well Mm -hmm. but this can't just be down to individual managers organizations need to have policies set up in order to deliver this and so that i think that's really important and actually when i created that podcast it was incredible how much re- originally it was just going to be a one-on-one discussion in the end i had a podcast of five or six people all dying to talk about their experiences the good the bad and what's in between so i'll, I'll definitely share with that with the community when that podcast is coming out because there were some great takeaways and some great learning for me as well
2: tina so, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about sap and how we manage maternity leave and i guess it's slightly yeah. different country to country and region to region with some of the
4: it's very different country to country. But, you know, just to piggyback off of what Adam was just saying, you know, I, I think it's really important that we look at parental leave, not as a women's issue, but that we are also spending a lot of time talking about men going on fraternity leave. And I think the more that becomes more acceptable, the more that women going on maternity leave will become acceptable. So in SAP, we, we try to do a lot of discussions around that um, and try to really highlight uh, men's experiences on, on paternity leave so um, it can be more of the mainstream and make sure that most men are taking advantage of, um, of that as many leave it on the table, unfortunately.
0: I'd say also the return to work, you know, that, that first year is just the beginning. You
2: know,
0: mm. I, I've got what, 10, 10 years or so left of these two wonderful people in my house <laughs> and it's, it's tough. And then you've got, especially two both of you working, trying to, trying to balance that. And, and for me, it's also telling kind of fathers, you know, typically if I think back to my childhood, you left home in the morning and came back in the evening, that type of thing. Actually to say you know, there was an offsite that was really important for me to go to, but it was more important for my wife to go and do something that she had to do for her work to be able to say to the company without worrying about it, I can't make it, yeah. you know, I can try and dial in, I can try and juggle things around. And the more that becomes acceptable, the more we change our overall attitudes to parenting, to flexible working, to outcome based employment, rather than thou shalt be within a certain pro- And most customers as well, they're very flexible on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that's one of the conversations that really needs to come to the front.
1: Yeah, I just add to to this, for me, it comes back to the context piece. It's like understanding everybody's context. Um, Not everybody wants to come back to work, but not everybody wants to stay at home either. You know, I was at Oracle when I had my two children back in the the 1990s, and um, I wanted to come back to work. I was desperate to come back to work after three months because I'm like, this is not something I want to be doing every day. But I wanted to get the balance of my life. So I was lucky I could have a job. That was working three days which meant I had four days at home um, and that was something that you know I felt really privileged to be in a position to be able to do that um, so I think it's not just assuming as well that everybody wants to have the same solution you know it's mm. we're all individuals we all have our context we all have some of us don't have a partner at home to look after the kids or you know whatever it might be you might have might not have grandparents around who can help out and therefore when the kid goes off sick it's an absolute nightmare right so yeah I think it is just being flexible and understanding where everyone is
5: I think if there is one silver lining about this horrible pandemic that we've gone through, mm. I think there is this greater awareness now that we're not yeah. just professionals, we're people.
1: Yeah.
5: And, that, and, and obviously, you know, having that flexibility and understanding of where, you know, sometimes I need to jump off a call because I've got to go and look after the kids. Mm. Um, or, you know, there's another type of issue that comes up. So I, I think this kind of transformation that maybe would have taken years otherwise has happened over a, a very short space of time, yeah. albeit for horrible reasons. But I actually hope one of, one of the, the, the good things to come out of this is having that greater level of flexibility and understanding not just about child care but about all, all manner of different um you know ways that we live our lives i know we're going slightly off topic matt but it, i think it's just an important well, point to make actually you on that do. note
0: i have to say i've got to go because my wife's about to go for a night shift so i need to go living proof
2: <laughs> <laughs> living proof i,
5: yeah. <laughs> living
2: proof. I so, think that's probably a good time so um we are at the top of the hour and, and five minutes past it i know we've had one or two people that have had to drop off none more so than maybe our panelists james so um while um uh, while we're here Um, just important point out that we are going to continue the conversation for another 25 minutes or so um, if people want to hang around and that is totally your choice and we'll try and open up the lines a little bit so that it's more of a dialogue um, and we'll keep that open Um, before we do move on to that um, thank you to the panelists hugely Shirley, Tina, James, Adam thank you very much thank you Sue my glamorous assistant Um, so I will stop the recording now feel free to drop off for those of you that hang around I'm hanging around um, and a few others I'm sure will So thank you very much. Um, For those questions we didn't get round to answering, I will have a chat with Sue around how we do provide some kind of response and feedback to you because I think it's it's important not just to come away from today with hearing four great panellists, but actually something that you can take away and change and hopefully get some answers to some of the questions you came with today. So we'll find a way of answering those and publishing those a little bit more widely.
5: And just just just, before you sign off, Matt, just a thanks to you, Matt, and to everyone else putting this together for the discussion. It's long overdue, and so thank you guys for inviting me, but most of all having this important discussion.
3: It's a pleasure. Thank you, everyone. Can I just add to what you've just said, Matt, as well? Um, Because there were quite a few questions which relate to the data, to the survey um so it's true that we're actually working i did mention that we're working right now on a white paper uh so we're slicing and dicing the data as best we can to get some insights uh some more insights so if there's anything i've I've seen quite a few things you know like um caroline was mentioning you know has has the research the research shown that diversity is evident in a particular industry in customer success things like that so that's things which we have got we don't know how pertinent it is but if you have ideas of what you'd like to see with the slicing and dicing then please drop us a line as well
5: hey guys thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the gain grow retain podcast if you liked what you heard please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe we really appreciate it talk to you soon